Moonbase Theta Out Recap. Season 1, Roger is alone and sad and insufferable. Season 2, Roger is in the past and sad and insufferable. Season 3, Roger has friends and is sad and insufferable. Stay tuned for Season 4. Hi, this is Becca, and this is my recap of Moonbase Data Out so far. I will try and keep it as short as possible. I feel like I'm probably going to go over the five minutes. Whoops. Hello, Molly here. I absolutely have to do my recap here. I tried a test run of it, and I said half of what I wanted to say, and I was already at six minutes. Uh, so I'm going to have to really get down to brass tacks. Summarizing Moonbase Theta out in just five minutes. All right, I'll see what I can do. Uh, season one, Moonbase Theta out. It takes place in the year 2098 um, on the far side of the moon. Not the dark side. It's kind of bright sometimes. It's the future. And shit's fucked. Hold on. Uh, refrain from using profanity. Your dialogue is automatically centered by corporate blah blah. Oh, well, F you. It's the future. And stuff is bad. We have one narrator, Roger Bogarda Fisher, who is a comms lead on Moonbase Theta. He sends reports back to Earth over the course of the 20-week shutdown sequence for the base. At the end of each uh, comms broadcast, Roger is allotted, I think it's like 10 or 30 seconds of, of chat to his husband back on Earth, um, in which we hear some just wonderful poetry. And also, I can't remember if it's in season one, but as time goes, we kind of realise that their relationship was a bit fraught before Roger went away, I think just to make it more tragic. And along with the messages, you know, he just sneaks in a little bit of poetry and some love notes for his husband alexander down on the earth still which is very cute they have two dogs their names are castor and pollux which are the best dog names i love them he through his comms reports takes us through the base shutdown sequence um and as the season goes on you kind of realize that there are some suspicious things going on he's one of five crew members who are still left awake uh, the rest of the crew are in stasis. So the consortium uh, runs the many different moon bases. Moon base Theta is the last one to be shut down. Uh, the consortium has basically decided that it's not worth the investment uh, to keep the moon bases running, so they're shutting them down. Over the course of those 20 weeks, things slowly start to go wrong, and they realize that something's not right on the moon and back on Earth. It's not really going how Roger expected it to. Um, and the communications he's receiving from Earth are not helpful in the slightest. People are going into cryostasis for the trip home on the shuttle. But weirdly, the shuttles aren't taking the crew in cryostasis back. Instead, they're just taking more and more of what the moon base has been mining. I forget what it's been mining. It's not really that important. Brings us to our group. Um, at Moonbase Theta, uh, there were originally 42 persons. Um, only five are active because the other 37 are in cryostasis, uh, awaiting transport back to Earth. Uh, so he's also there with Nessa, Wilder, Michelle, and Ashwini. Uh, but he's the only one that we hear from um, in the recordings. Season two is genius because it tells the whole same time sequence but through the perspective of other 
uh, characters who we've only just heard about and then we get to really like hear their personalities come into the fore. It's basically a rehash of season one, but with far more details. That's beautiful. It's beautiful. We introduce more characters. We get to hear from lots of other people. Um, we get to find out the dynamics as a group. Uh, and the group is definitely splintered. We have Wilder, who um, she's got her Eliza arm thing, is generally a badass. Wilder, who's like a mechanic technician, super cool. And of course, her prosthetic alarm, Eliza, I think. I'm bad with names. Pardon me. We have uh, Ashwini, Ashwini Ray, uh, astrophysics. Uh, Dr. Ashwini Ray creates an AI named Thomas, who is amazing. My favorite scientist, Ashwini, um, and Zia artificial consciousness, Tomness, although, you know, it could be argued that she doesn't belong to anyone but herself. Um, oh, I love them both. Uh, Nessa Chong, uh, agriculture, very important, very important character. We also meet Nessa, uh, who is canonically every character's favorite person and a botanist and a really cool person who unfortunately dies in a mining accident. Seven or six weeks left before shutdown, there is a tragic accident in one of the mines where the tunnel collapses and Nessa is killed. And it's like a one-two punch because you already love Nessa and you know she dies and then you actually meet Nessa and you love Nessa and then she dies again. <laughs> My boy, Michel Lingois. Security. I love Michel. Uh, Michelle Langlois is a security officer who learns that uh, being a security officer for the Leopards Eating People's Faces Corporation does not prevent the leopards from eating your face. Yeah, Michelle, you're like, at first you're like, this guy's a dick. But then you're like, this guy's a dick with issues. Um, and, you you know, your relationship as a listener with Michelle becomes, you know, quite difficult. Interpersonal conflict that's happening on the moon between... Michelle and Nessa, Michelle and Wilder, Michelle and Roger. Is there a common thread there? There's a rogue transmission from one of the freeholds. A very cryptic message from someone on Earth called Modi Sarah, um, which they're told to ignore, which they probably, in retrospect, shouldn't have ignored. Um, there's a fake asteroid report from Roger and Ashwini. Uh, decide to kind of shock people and get some attention, maybe prove that the moon bases are worthy. They hatch this scheme to say that, you know, there is a, a very large uh, asteroid headed towards the Earth and, and they know where it's at and, and yada, yada, yada. It's not true. That was a, um, Roger and Ashwini trying, trying to keep things going. Following those events, things break down even more. Eventually, Roger takes a trip to the near side of the moon to try and reestablish communications. Roger goes traipsing across the moon on his own. Mad lad. Don't understand it. Would Could never be me. But goes for a traipse in a suit. And there he discovers that all of the other crew members of the other bases are still on base in their stasis pods. No one has made it back to Earth. And on base... Hmm, gamma question mark um there's been a critical failure in one of the stasis pods which is not good news with all the enclave politics that's going on the, the consortium has no plans of bringing people home they're just stuck they're marooned by the time he gets back to moon base data the rest of his crew have gone into stasis and he's the only person left awake on the moon uh when he comes back everyone's gone into stasis and just left him and it's i was 
actually quite annoyed at that. I thought it was selfish. <laughs> Before we get into season three, we were gifted with a lovely uh, mini series um, flashing back to Before the Bases. Uh, or before the moon. So we get to little peeks into the lives of our main characters before they went to the moon. So uh, we, we get to season three, tons of characters drop in. It's basically a, like an Avengers movie at this point. Season three, so much happens. There's a Cambrian explosion of characters in season three. Where there's a lot going on. We're finally moving forward from that ending point of season one and season two. Uh, so we see Roger... Uh, meeting Tumnus on the base and them working together to start to reawaken members of the crew to try and figure out how can they get back to Earth. Uh, Alex, beloved, makes it to one of the freeholds and meets some lovely people and some people who I do not trust as far as I can throw them. Um, Addy, I'm looking at you. Alexander is getting the heck out of Dodge because it's in the middle of a hostile takeover from another corporation. And by hostile takeover, I mean private military uh, because there are no governments. It's all corporations. And Alexander's on his on his way. He's going out with the dogs and they're going to find a freehold, which is one of the few like anarcho communes left in the world. There's a lovely scene where Alex is looking up at the moon and Modisar is like, you should look after yourself. And Alex is like, it's my moon. I'm going to look at it. The freeholders have a plan. They want to go and live on the moon. Uh, Nessa had a plan for making that sustainable. Thankfully, she shared it with people and it didn't die with her, but still it's going to be difficult. The, the free folk there, as well as the techno folk that they're working with, um, they're trying to build a rocket to get to the moon. Uh, we get to meet the science bros. They're very eccentric. Uh, be nice to tardigrades and hedgehogs. Uh, we hear from Wilder and Michelle and Ashwini again. Michelle comes out of stasis and struggles. And I think it's at this point where you're actually like, oh, Michelle. Oh, just could wrap you in a blanket and stop you being an asshole. Uh, and all of the conflicts that come out of that and how things ended in the first two seasons. We meet Jackson, which is wonderful. Jackson is a chef who really just keeps morale up by feeding all these warring scientists that are brought out of stasis. And there's factions on the moon. The scientists mostly just want to do their science. It turns out if you're passionate enough about science to go to the moon to do experiments, that that's kind of all you really care about. And they think they should be in charge because it's like a science station. We also get to hear from the Enclave officer, the mysterious Enclave officer. We get to hear about their web of strings that they've woven throughout the world and on the moon, it seems. And we learned that every executive on Earth thinks they're the only person playing fifth dimensional chess and have secreted away enough embezzled resources to lord it over all the other executives. Enclave officer, don't trust him. Monica has mountains. <laughs> and also is Addy's mum. So yeah, don't trust her either. Uh, on the moon, uh, where we end off is there's been some conflict about who should be leading the reawakened crew members. Roger's trying to, with the help of Tumnus, and kind of Tumnus and Wilder have teamed up for some hashtag girl power and are trying to use Roger as a spokesperson, but to achieve their own, you know, aims for the, for the, the benefit of people. Um, there was some sort of attack or cave-in that was caused by one of the science bros. There is an explosion. 
in the bunk room. There's a corporate spy on the moon and they cause an explosion and we don't get the aftermaths. We're waiting on the... What happened with the explosion? That's what we're waiting to find out. It's very tense. And um, some talk about visiting other moon bases to see what supplies they have and potentially look at reawakening um, other people. At the end of season three, basically we find out that um, Alessandra is headed to the moon. He has pulled every string he can to get ready to go to the moon for Roger. And uh, in the Freeholds, they have launched a rocket to the moon, which has three passengers. So there's Payload, one of the techno crew. There's Addy, who is one of the Freehold members, who turns out is the child of one of the higher-ups in the Enclave. And then we have Alessandra, Roger's husband, who has a heart condition. Oh! On Earth, in the Freehold, there's Alex is uh, coming up in a shuttle. And I don't want to give Deej any ideas, but there was a point in season three where I was concerned that Roger, because he says at some point, like, I'm going to come back down to Earth and find you no matter what. I was desperately fearful that Roger was going to come back to Earth as Alex was on his way to the moon. (laughs) And they could just, like, wave at each other through the window. But that is not, that's my intellectual property, maybe, and Deej can't use that. (laughs) and we're left with the question of is the rocket going to make it is Alessandra going to make it at the end of season three we are given a few extra bonus episodes where we get to hear a little bit more from um, Michelle's sister Maria before she went into shutdown on Moonbase Gamma we get to hear from Dr. Day who's the one who caused the incident on the moon we get to hear a little bit more from Tumnus and her kind of journey of self-discovery, as well as another visit to the Free Zone just after uh, the events of Season 3, where uh, the Enclave is, has come to take over the Free Zone, and uh, we see many of our characters trying to escape, including Marisera, Anang, Elena, Elio, Steven, the Dagos, and that's also where Madi Sarah takes their last look at the moon. I think that's all I've got. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Oh, I lied. It's not all I've got. Um, at the end of every episode, we are strongly and increasingly threateningly advised to keep watching the moon. And also, the theme tune was star by the band Ramp. We were also gifted with uh, a lovely miniseries between seasons three and four called All Your Base, where we got to meet a member of the crew of each of the other moon bases um, before their shutdowns. I hope we'll get to see a little bit more of each of those characters throughout season four, um, whether they get reawakened or we just get recordings. Um, and that's where we're left with a million questions, um, a million concerns and worries over all of these characters that we've grown to love. Uh, or love to hate. But the scientists are fun. They're really weird. All of them in their unique ways. This show has so much heart. It's so moving. There's a wonderful scene, I think it's in season two, where Tumnus is talking about, she's kind of coming into her power, and she's talking about, like, quorums and quora. And I remember exactly where I was. It's such a good scene. I remember exactly the place I was when I listened to it. Um... 
and maybe it rewired the chemistry of my brain. I don't know. But first and foremost, I love Tomness and I need it to be known. Thank you. Thank you to everybody who makes this show. Um, it, it's not just a podcast. Um, it's a human story. It's beautiful. It's inspiring. I'm looking forward to seeing where it goes next. And uh, I'll keep watching the moon. Thanks. And I'm excited to see what go- happens next. Thomas is amazing. Okay, thank you. Bye. Anyway, I cannot wait for season four. Oh, I love it so much. The Moonbase Theta Out Recap. Brought to you by Becca, Molly, Alice, and AMC. With an introduction by our own Lewin Kessler. A huge thank you to all of them. Cutting this episode together was so, so fun. You can re-listen to the first three seasons and two miniseries in full at monkeymanproductions.com while you wait for season four's premiere on August 14th. Want it even sooner? And weekly behind-the-scenes updates besides? Join us at patreon.com slash monkeymanproductions. And, as always, keep watching the moon. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. Greetings, I'm Bernard. And I'm Magenta. You might know us from such hit podcasts as Madame Magenta, Sonas Mystica. Horror anthology Magenta Presents. Or season three of Mockery Manor. We're everywhere. And we're spreading faster than an STD in an old folks' home, because now we have a brand new podcast. Wham! Wham! It's a fun acronym that stands for We Have a Movie. Oh, it's not just an acronym, Bernard. It's not. It's a chat podcast where we invent smash hit Hollywood movies based on popular toys. If you like the Barbie movie and you want to see similar treatments of your favourite childhood toys, I'll wager you'll like Wham! With episodes on Polly Pocket, Rubik's Cube, Game Boy, Strawberry Shortcake, Furby, Connect Four, and lots of other nostalgia bait. But it's not just for adults who still like toys. It's a podcast for anyone who loves Hollywood tropes and comedy. And quantum mechanics. And BDSM. Wham! has something for everyone, but is still specifically about movies. That's Wham! W-H-A-M. You know, like when Batman punches someone. Yes. Adam West. That Batman. Exactly. Not the Christopher Nolan one. No. Download it anywhere you listen to podcasts. Uh, That's what the world needs, another movie podcast. Was that clear? Maybe I shouldn't have mentioned quantum mechanics. Mm.